Hello, everybody. Welcome to Some Nerds Have a Podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. I'm Alex. And we've had so many technical problems, but I think we're finally recording. <laughs> um, which is great because I've got almost nothing to say this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like the amount of time in between our recording sessions is both increasing and decreasing simultaneously. It's like time has no meaning. It is like time has no meaning. Time, time is always weird right now so we're trying our best everybody (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i've been listening to a lot of podcasts um the work that i've been doing from home has it hasn't so much increased in volume as like i haven't been doing it um, it's increased in procrastination. It's, procre- it's increased in procrastination. So now I'm just tisk, like, tisk, oh, Nick. I know. <laughs> it's it is hard to get motivated mm. to like do things when I'm just sitting on the couch all day. <laughs> it's hard to get motivated to do things, Nick. Twenty twenty. It, it is, and I don't feel like I'm alone in that sentiment. I mean, normally I feel that way anyway, but yeah. like now I especially feel it, and I feel like the rest of the country feels the same as me. Yeah, I, I I believe it. Uh, the only thing yeah, that I, I mean, look, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just gonna say, like, I I I don't know. I don't know if we discussed this on the podcast. I feel like we did. Everything's kind of blurring together. But somebody was like, "It's like we're living in the perpetual present." Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just the never the never ending uh, now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's always just now, and now has stretched from now to March thirteenth, and it will continue to be now until it is then. Yeah, but when will then be now? <laughs> I feel like Soon. now would actually be a really great discussion about, like, if we ever did homework for this podcast, and we don't. No, uh, but we should. Um, if we are more ambitious, I feel like now would be like a really good discussion about like absurdism in media mm-hmm. and like because that's what like I keep kind of falling back to or thinking a lot about is you know especially this is going to sound shitty but like <laughs> like the work of like the work of Albert Camus mm-hmm. and who wrote a book about a plague yeah <laughs> didn't he also write well, a book know, about killing like a man in Algeria just to watch him die or is that someone else What's that? Didn't he also write a book about killing a man in Algeria just to watch him die? Yeah, that's yeah. the stranger. Yeah. yeah, fuck him. I think the much better is Tom Stoppard. Mm. Um, yep. And his greatest work, the film version of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern up. are dead. The play version of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. For that was how it was meant to be. Until he decided, you know, this would work better as a movie. You, shut and the then up. he wrote and directed Stop the movie talking. version. Shut your whore mouth. To show us the definitive move- version. It's not the definitive version, but like it comes from theater of the absurd. It's just fuck off. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> this is like a really, this is like an ongoing argument. But yeah, like, um, oh shit. Who am I thinking of? Arto? I don't know. There was like the theater, theater of cruelty, 
um, which sounds really fucked up, but it kind of is. But the idea is like getting people to understand that like you can only live in the present, that there is only a now, that there is no future and there is no past. <laughs> and like by doing that by like disassociating them from the fact that they're watching a play. Like it sounds like you're like being really just mean and nasty to people, but it's it's really more of like breaking, doing a lot of the fourth wall breaking so that way people don't get lulled into a sense of security mm -hmm. um, when they're watching a play. And if you think about like all the things that um, that fuck up. Oh, who is the guy that Wagner? Wagner the fuckhead, um, which is from here forth he'll be known on this podcast which i think i've also previously I'm said pretty sure you've already several that times. shit that i don't like about wagner um but like the way that he completely redesigned the theater as we know it around the idea that you should be sucked in to the viewing um that you should be sucked into the media the content um whereas like all the theater of cruelty people were like fuck you up yours we're going to throw blood on stage. Actually, yeah, it was kind of fucked up. Um, anyway, I don't like know what that was Gigi going Allen? on. No, it was, um, I think it was Arto. I'm going to go with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet uh, my, my bachelor's says, degree of theater on this. Wikipedia says that cruelty, theater of cruelty is generally associated with Antonin Artaud. Yeah, Arto. Okay, I guess the D is silent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elise was right. High five. <laughs> High fives all around. Anyway. Pretty sure it was Gigi Allen. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> anyway. So I guess I've been thinking a lot about absurdism. Where's everybody else at this week? I mean, it's... Absurdism has been, like, a standard of the millennial zeitgeist forever. Uh, mm. and That's And, like, there have yeah. been, there've been multiple Tumblr posts going around comparing modern millennial memes to Dadaism and such, even before the pandemic, let alone now. Uh, so, Dadaism yeah. is, isn't exactly the same thing it's as It's not exactly the same though. thing, but they're from the similar time period from what I'm getting, and they have similar kind of critiques. It's all, like, late 19th century, early 20th century uh, postmodern movements within theater. Mm-hmm. So they're all they're like they're very much related. Yeah. But whereas but like I think theater of cruelty took a very like I don't know, they just they took very different approaches to a similar philosophical mindset. They And that's what way too much fucking money in college debt and a theater degree from a liberal arts college as opposed to a normal pre professional program gets you. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> So what have we all been up to other than thinking about absurdism and contemplating the myth of Sisyphus? Well, I've been talking, uh, I've been doing a lot of work on the, um, on the game that I'm going to be running, uh, which, Yay! I, which I think we mentioned last time because it was two weeks yes. ago and we're doing this every two weeks. So haven't done it yet, but we're going to get to it uh, Friday. Yep. Starting at Friday. Yep. Yeah. Well, we, we, we kind of started it last Friday. Not last Friday, but the Friday before that. We did, we we, did like, a test session. Yeah, which I'm glad we did, because it, it really lets us I have I did not understand the combat. Like, thank you for running that test session, because, like, in abstract, I did not understand the uh, the combat mm -hmm. system. Do you understand it better watching it and participating in it like that? Yeah, even though I totally died in the first round, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, when... 
like like what I had him run. So if you didn't catch last session, you know that's fine. Who cares? Uh, but if you, <laughs> what we're gonna do is we're gonna play All Flesh Must Be Eaten, which runs on a unis unisystem uh, style of game, uh, which is kind of old at this point. Like I think it was is like the late '90s when it was developed. But it's a very simple system, so there's not a lot of like complex rulings to everything. Uh, everything's determined with a d10, and combat is an opposed check. So we were having some trouble figuring out uh, what happens versus um, ranged combat versus melee combat. So it it can't and and I I, I was a little worried with with your frustration with the the ranged combat, Nick. Um, because it seemed like you were were a little little flummoxed by the idea that uh, the way it was run, but hopefully, well, it all yeah, worked. the because it it was like it was a little strange, but I think we worked out the kinks, mm -hmm. like the problems that I was having with it. Mm -hmm. So uh, now, hopefully, the zombies won't be shooting back at you. Uh, yeah. So that might um, make unless we're doing better. Land of the Dead, <laughs> but. Uh, but if, if something like that happens, then we know what to do still. Uh, so I've been kind of doing a lot of prep work for that. And hopefully it all will go well. Uh, but I've also been listening to podcasts of other people play role-playing games. Because that's nice. something I like to do too. Uh, podcasts and watching people live stream them. Uh, so one of the things that I watch someone live stream... Uh, was a series um, that's put on by a group called Stabbiness, which is a like collective of role players that will stream and put out videos every so often. And I th I'm certain I've talked about Thrilling Intent, which is basically yes. like one of the members from Thrilling Intent is one of the leaders, one of the heads of Stabbiness. Um, but was not actually involved in this particular project. Um, and this particular project uh, is, was called Barmashi. Uh, and it was a standalone, I think, like five episodes of uh, streaming uh, that was a kind of parody take on the isekai genre. So uh, you're familiar with the isekai kind of trapped in another world? Yeah, 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 like um, Sword Art Online or something like that. Yeah, Sword Art Online and, uh, oh God, what, what's the one with, uh, the one that you were talking about a couple years back uh, with the the goddess and... Oh, oh, God. Uh, Konosuba? Konosuba, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of, you know, character usually dies and wakes up in another world, and it's usually based off of some kind of RPG thing. Uh, and this one was kind of a parody of that, and it uh, was really good. It was really fucking good, and I, I enjoyed every bit of it. Um, and so so I did watch through that, and that actually ended a couple weeks back, so that's a little bit not as topical. Um, mm -hmm. And it's also really niche, and nobody cares about it, so it's, you know, way to be topical. Um, but another thing that I have been watching more recently uh, is... A group that's a bit more well known. Um, so you're familiar with uh, the group behind the Dragon Ball Z abridged series. Uh, uh, Team Four Star. 
Uh, yes, Team Four Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, uh, I don't, I can't remember how recently, but months, years, it could be anything uh, ago. They stopped doing Dragon Ball Z. Uh, yeah. They stopped doing all of that, uh, and they basically decided to refocus on more role-playing game stuff. And mm-hmm. one of the things that they've been running is a D and D five E campaign uh, that once again proves the adage that the only good cops are fictional cops. Uh, because it is called Prince Division, and it's a modern D&D setting where okay. it's like the, the party is a small group uh, uh, in a police division uh, called the Prince Division uh, in this city um, where they deal with humans that have a genetic condition called Prince, uh, which is like trying to bring it back to the whole idea of like prince and princess archetypes where it's like they'd be captured by a sorcerer or a dragon or something like that well the reason why in the lore of the setting is that they have this kind of condition that attracts these magical creatures to them i see Uh, and they have like they they basically act as like a magical battery and they can be drawn of energy um, hmm. And so the Prince Division is a small team of four people that are in the the police that are set up to basically deal with any problems that happens with people in the police registry. So if you're diagnosed with Prince, you can you know voluntarily put yourself in the the registry, and if something happens, you call on them, and they're the ones that deal with that kind of shit. Uh, and so far, it's been really really fun. Like uh, again, the only good cops are fictional cops, but these cops are entertaining to watch their exploits of. Uh, and it's really just, you know, D&D, but some of the things are kind of weirdly set up. So, like, for example, um, they need to uh, they need to check Google. They're like like the, the fantasy equivalent of Google, so they pull out their smartphone and they make an Arcana check. <laughs> um, or they need to drive, so that's a survival check to drive their way through the city to find their way. <laughs> Um, of course. So so things like that, but um, it, it's it's kind of like what Bright would be if Bright was not Bright. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if if Bright had like any sort of thought put into it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's less of like an one single story and more of like an overarching, just kind of episodic uh, thing, where there's you know they've already had a couple cases so far. So I'm enjoying that. That is uh, mostly uh, hosted on Takahata 101's channel, uh, but I also believe that they kind of edit it down and put it into a podcast form, so you can just listen to it on podcast form if you listen to things that way, more than sit down and watch a three-hour video of people playing on Roll20. <laughs> so. Anyway, so those are a few of the things that I've been doing lately uh, in the background, kind of. Um, I've been doing some other stuff, but I've also been talking a bit, so I'll let other people take the floor. Oh, it's fine. We, Like I said, I don't think I've really got much of anything to talk about this week. Elise, how about you? Um, I've been watching a lot of TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, have, you, have you considered doing some TikTok? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Nick oh is, God. like, really upset because I've definitely <laughs> planned out, like, a couple of TikToks. Oh, my God, you should do it, though. <laughs> Counterpoint, she's 30. <laughs> no, there's a whole contingent of people that are over 30 that are on TikTok. 
and they constantly make jokes about how they shouldn't be on TikTok. It's amazing. No, I'm 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 seriously considering doing some TikToks. Do I it. enjoy them. But it's like, you know, I like I've been on the platform for over a week, I guess, at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think I got like my first ad today. Mm. And there was something really nice about you know, because, like, all of these platforms, all of these social media platforms, like, originally started as, like, a place for individuals to make content mm-hmm. um, or to document their lives and different things like that and to be, you know, themselves in an online space. And slowly, over the years, it's become more and more corporatized, I guess, or industrialized, or mm-hmm. however you want to, like, think about it. Commodified. Um, commodified. Yeah, that's probably the better the better word for it. Um, and so it was kind of nice to, like, be on a social media platform that wasn't commodified. <laughs> you know, because it's like, I scroll through Facebook, it's like every third thing is an ad. Mm-hmm. You know, like, half the bitches on Instagram, it's like, this is their full-time job. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, and then like brands are on Twitter pretending to be your friend. Mm. Like, and it's, it's really nice to see TikTok. And it's like, I know there was a lot of controversy about the algorithm. Um, there's also, biasing its... there's also like TikTok stars that are basically advertisements. Yeah. And so like, like a lot of that is kind of built into the, the, the content creators as opposed to into the, the the mechanism of the program itself like that tiktok star named subway (laughs) well how do you mean it alex i mean it in like um there was actually do you recall uh did you watch um what's his name uh todd in the shadows yeah yeah you watched his most recent episode uh i saw the the most recent only watch train wrecks okay. uh train records and one hit, one hit wonders, wonders. Gotcha, but we gotcha. don't yeah yeah his pop his pops his pop music review uh so in his most recent one he kind of went into the latest hit song from drake because of course drake is still popular i guess um and it was all promoted on tiktok where huh. it was like he released the video on tiktok and you know had a couple you know, popular TikTok artists do the dance from the song and then that kind of spread it that way. So it was viral, but by intent, by design. Uh, mm. And so that's that's kind of more what I mean by like, it's, you're not seeing an ad for a kitchen aid, but you're instead seeing somebody that's promoting. It's you're more, seeing more like, like sponsored. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like Instagram in that regard. Um, yeah. I guess, like, I, I don't know, I... But you can avoid that stuff if you're not following those, like, hoity-toity people. I, yeah, and that's exactly, like, how I, like, my... Because what I was going to talk about was, like, the controversy over um, the algorithm biasing itself against, uh, like, fat, queer, and uh, people of color mm-hmm. uh, content creators, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and what I found, I don't know. I think it, I think it's because like, I've done enough of these things. I've been on enough platforms 
that I know, not like, I know how to outsmart it. Like I'm some fucking neckbeard, but like (laughs) you gotta, you gotta play the game. You can't like, you can't just passively consume it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you see like, if you see a, a content creator who's a person of color, you like and follow them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like every single time. And like if you, you know, if you see queer, if you see fat acceptance um, creators as they come up on your feed, you just got to like and follow and like and follow. And so my For You page is just straight up, like straight down, all the way down. Like it is like it is queer, fat, feminist, mm-hmm. just true, you know, <laughs> like diverse like because that's how i i proactively designed it that way i guess because i knew otherwise i'd kind of fall into this trap like i did on instagram where it's like it's just a parade of like straight-sized cis white women mm-hmm. you know what i mean and um and i was like well i don't want i don't want to end up i don't want it to end up like that so i need to like proactively do these things and like, and follow more of these, these different kind of people that I do want to see on my feed. So that way it like, it becomes the feedback loop, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes the, the bubble of what you want to see. So, um, so like, I, I think I haven't had the same kind of experiences that other people have had, mm-hmm. um, on TikTok. but it does make me like wonder it is kind of like it is in a lot of these things. It's like it does have like the dual sides. Like there's a lot of jokes of people on Pinterest about like the two sides of Pinterest. Because <laughs> it's like on the one hand, there's like a very like cis straight white womanhood that is very much presented on, on Pinterest. It's like it's the Pinterest mom. It's the Pinterest teacher. It's the, the you know, the woman that's got like the live, laugh, love bullshit Mm -hmm. all over her house right because it's you know it's cooking blogs and it's a specific type of cooking blog that gets pushed and it's a specific type of decor that gets pushed and like those are the kinds of things that you see on pinterest and then like the other side of pinterest is like you know nerdy kids and anime and web comics and like all of this other stuff so both in like pinterest and i think tumblr when you have these like super visual mediums, um, there ends up becoming this kind of like divide between mm-hmm. the different types of people that use it. And I feel like unless you're very consciously like aware of that and willing to not like buy pet, but like, wi- like, like I said, like you got to play the game, you got to feed in, you got to tell the algorithm because that's the only way to kind of push back against the biases I think that are inherent in it. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's it's more on people who are in places of privilege to do that, to put in those kind of feeders and those kind of markers into it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. Not being on TikTok myself, <laughs> I feel, nor on really on Pinterest. Yeah. I don't know. I think I made a Pinterest account around the time that you and I started dating at your request. And I still, to this day, don't understand what it's supposed to be for. 
It's it's for finding, uh, well, anything really. That that's that's what Google's for, though. Well, kind of, but <laughs> for categorizing it. For but, but why would I need to categorize it? it? Well, I mean, like, okay, so I actually, and maybe this isn't a good thing to do because you know people. All right, so um, this game that I'm I'm creating for y'all to play. Yeah. Uh, I need to populate it with NPCs. And NPCs should have faces. So I look for faces and characters that people have created and drawn that are put on Pinterest. And I collect them in a uh, category on Pinterest that is RPG characters. So that I can later, you know, crop them, download them, and put their face on there so that you have something to look at. Uh, What? But why couldn't you just, like, save it to a file folder? Like, I don't understand. Well, I do that. I do that later. But it's easier in the moment to just kind of grab it and, and like it on the thing and then move on so that later you can go through it again and pick out again. It's so just... it's pointless. So, is no, what, is, this is what I'm hearing. Shut up. <laughs> I love you. Um, it's not pointless. Here, Here's why. It's a really nice. So I actually, I use Pinterest sometimes for my work. To kind of give people an idea of this is what I'm looking for visually. And so you can craft like a board that is a bunch of images that people can see at once. And so that's kind of one of the nice things about it. Or like when we were planning our wedding, it was really nice to like be able to, instead of sending a bunch of individual links that you then had to follow that then possibly had like 50 different pictures or creating some sort of file folder that you save to your computer that you then have to send to the florist that you then have to send back, blah, 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 blah. It's a collaborative visual space. So that way you're all kind of speaking the same language. You're looking at the same. Like when I was working with our florist, which some cishet man did not work with um, on our wedding, it was really, it was easy to do in real time we were we created a pinterest board together that was like these are the things that i want these are the things that inspire me these are the things and that's how she created the look it's like that idea of creating that this is one way in which you can use it that it is superior over creating some sort of file folder either saved to your laptop or some sort of folder in google and it's like it doesn't really have that same accessible it doesn't have the same accessibility. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so being able to see multiple pictures at once and create that kind of online lookbook made it really easy for us. And then we could say like, and then she would add something and I would be like, no, not that. And we could delete it. And then it created the ultimately the look of our wedding. Okay. So that is how Pinterest has benefited you personally. Bitch. <laughs> so it's, it's for nerds who care what things look like. I- <laughs> Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's pointless. I s- <laughs> Nick, I so so like Did you not care how your wedding looked like? No. Don't fucking lie. We had don't, this discussion. Don't fucking lie. Also, you're being really sexist right now by saying like, oh, it's just about nerds and I gave like a very like a very femme example. And you're I like, didn't, oh, it's just, I didn't specify it was lady like, nerds. Like, I just said it was they nerds. Look like, I'm like, cause that's the thing that women have been like highly socialized to care about. 
Yeah, I mean, like, there was the, the page that you created for me when I was first coming out and trying yeah. to find my style. And, you know. So that, that definitely helped out a lot there. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for making my point. <laughs> really. Sorry. I'm sorry. I Can I go back and try to make, like, a sincere... <laughs> like, I'm glad that it really... I'm glad that it helped. Thank you. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what I've done. I've, I have done very little. <laughs> um, I finally caught up on knowledge fight. So now I'm present. I'm, I'm current on what bullshit Alex Jones is doing, which is pretty great. What bullshit is Alex Jones doing? Um, well, the most recent hilarious thing that the people in the Facebook community about knowledge fight have kind of glommed onto is uh last week i think on one of his shows alex was talking about he, he he does this thing every once in a while where he talks about um how like oh, i could have been a big movie star you know like, but i you have to worship the devil to work in hollywood so i keep turning him down um and he made this claim that basically yeah, they offered me this role six years ago to be this, like, in a the kind of a fantasy science fiction film where I was would have been like a captain of a spaceship. And I saw the movie when it came out. It was it was pretty good. Kurt Russell was in the second one, and so basically, <laughs> they were like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, what science fiction movie was Kurt Russell in the second one, but not in the first one?" And the only one that they could think of was Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> and so the, the community has kind of glommed onto this idea that Alex claims that he was offered the role of Star-Lord. <laughs> and have drawn fan art of it. And it is some of the funniest shit I have ever seen. Yes. It's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, uh, there was one the other day that someone uploaded that was just him with his with his stupid fat head poking out of a red duster like with <laughs> with with headphones on and it was going ooga chaka ooga chaka oh my god it it's amazing also so the it's interesting that he's like you got to worship the devil to to be in hollywood and then like it's specifically a role that went to chris pratt yeah who is like known for being an evangelical christian in hollywood that's interesting that's all i'm gonna say there um but yeah i mean there's that and he's also been selling uh masks that says uh, like something like coronavirus is a hoax or something along why would you wear a mask i know it's dumb it's 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 the fucking worst. Because it's worst. a hoax, but it's not a hoax hoax. It's Um so I've been doing that and then I started listening to another podcast um called Disgraceland mm -hmm. which which is about like uh like tragedies and like like hidden stories basically in the music industry. Um it's wild like some of these stories i knew and then like some of them i 100 percent knew nothing about like i the most recent one i've been listening to was about bob marley and basically talking about like how bob marley would just like 
like had these people who would just beat the shit out of people. Like he apparently broke into a radio station and like he and his goons like threatened to beat the shit out of the the uh, DJ if they didn't play his latest song like in the next hour. Mm. Like it's wild. Like there's some crazy shit um that I just didn't know about. And like one of the other ones was about uh like Norwegian black metal and like the church burnings in the early 90s. Mm. It's it's an interesting podcast. Um uh, not a whole lot of episodes. I think there's only like 80 and each one's only like 30 minutes long, so I've been kind of burning through it, but it's an it's a neat little listen. Um and yeah, just continuing my my love of '90s uh, first-person shooters. Just been playing other oh, old ones. That's again. right. That's right. Yeah. That's also what happened this this week. At least it sounded like Elise was gonna say something before we oh, get I'm into sorry. this. No, you guys can get into it. You sure? Yeah, 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 y'all two get into it. I can save my thing for like after y'all two are done. Okay. All right. Um. So. This week also saw the release of uh, the Chex Mix HD remix. Chex Quest HD. Chex Quest. Uh, I don't know. I I haven't beaten it yet, but like, I'm, you know, for for a remake of a 20 year old uh, Doom mod that was given away for free to tie in with Chex cereal. Mm-hmm. I'm very unimpressed with this remaster. It's not the best. the The AI is very simplistic, and the, the, the AI it's the AI is worse than simplistic. Like ninety percent of the time, the AI doesn't work. Yeah. Like there have been so many times where I've walked into a room, heard a flemoid make the wake up noise, and it just sat there. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it'd be like that though. Um, however, for a game that is completely free. It, it's it hits all the nostalgia buttons and it doesn't cost any of the money it it sounds it sounds like the original game it it looks like the original game with it looks like, kind of there, there's the the levels are different i did notice that right away yeah um, i mean like some of some of them are similar like mm-hmm. they're similar places they there's are. also less of it like uh, I mean, the original game was pretty short too. Like, I, it, I not that short. There was more than just five levels. No, there were five. They, there were five. Was that maybe I'm th- maybe I'm just thinking because there like the sequel came out in such short order. Yeah, the there was a sequel which I never played, but I played the hell out of the first there, one. And there, there were two. There were two sequels. There were, um, but no, the first the first Chex Quest only had five levels. Um, really? And, yep. And so they did have different difficulties, which this game yeah, does this one not. does not have different difficulties. Um, so I do remember having a lot harder time with the first one. Uh, but also the all the the secrets are in different locations, and some of the secrets are very cleverly hidden. I appreciated. Um, so I, that's what I've been kind of working on trying to find is all the secrets in the levels. Uh, but. Uh, but yeah, no. So apparently, I was looking into it, and apparently now I do have the option to do multiplayer. Like we mm-hmm. were, because it is it is released with a multiplayer. Um, and at first it was grayed out for some reason, but when I logged in a second time, it was available. Um, but the other characters are unlocked by buying Chex Mix and 
typing in a code in the checks mix. Uh, I think the codes are also on their Instagram, or they're going the to be codes released will on be there. will be eventually released on on Instagram and on this website that they put up for them. But if you want to play them now, go out and buy some checks mix. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, but no, I, I appreciated that they they redid the introductory uh, cutscene, the the opening uh, cutscene. Yeah, because that that is like the original is cheese classic, mm-hmm. um, and this just still still kind of hits into that. And uh, it, honestly, I feel like it's it's the worst looking part of the game. <laughs> Like, I would prefer if we just got the original, like, well, the or- shitty 1996 3D The original 3D was also the shittiest part of the game, too, but, you know, it no, was No, disagree. Strong disagree. Well, you saw that fucking bagel, okay? <laughs> you tell me that bagel looked like anything that was good? No, would you eat- Would you eat that bagel? Would you eat that bagel? No, because it's sentient. <laughs> It's a human being. <laughs> well, it's a bagel being. Uh, General Mills giving the order. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was still uh, enjoyable, and uh, I was able to clip through the level at one point though. Um, cool, cool. <laughs> so, had to yeah. Find no, my it's way definitely like again. I a part of me kind of wishes that they had just like basically taken Brutal Doom and just put a Chexmix skin on Brutal Doom and I feel like that would have been a better game. Well, it sounds like you have some modding to do, Nick. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I just want to have it done. Ah, I see how it is. Like honest but but I don't know. I like I said the the, the r- original game I've played a lot, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like because it's a it's a Doom mod, so and like Doom is always going to be fun. So Chex Mix is always going to be like like Chex Quest is always going to be fun, mm-hmm. and I feel like this game because it took away so much of the Doom stuff, mm-hmm. it made it less fun, and it just kind of felt. It just feels weird to me. And on my end, I never played Doom as a kid. Mm. Like, I still haven't really played Doom, the original Doom. Uh, but I did play Chex Quest. And yeah. so, you know, going from that, it's, you know, similar enough to Chex Quest, even if it's not similar enough to Doom. It's like uh, the game of Telegraph or Telephone or whatever. I guess. <laughs> it, it just, yeah, it, it it's, to me, it it looks like it. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. In terms of like the way that the character moves around and like the way that the weapons feel, and like again, the, the enemy AI I think is the worst part of it for me. Yeah, the AI ne- they need to release an update about the AI. I'm I'm not gonna lie, that's the worst part of it. Because um... it's like none of the enemies are a threat. <laughs> Like Unless there's point. enough of them, like I did end up dying like a few times. Um, I, I will especially say, I in the last the level. Whole thing yet, so yeah, yeah. Might... In the last level, they get in such numbers that if you're not careful, you can get got. Uh, but if you know what you're doing, yeah, no, I, I agree. The AI does definitely need to be patched. Because um, yeah, there were definitely times I heard the wake up noise, mm-hmm. and then it just like 
it, they don't move. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, like I, I don't know if it's like I, I think what it is is they don't see you unless like their eyes are looking at you, so you can sneak up behind them. Maybe, and maybe, sometimes again, that just kind of translates into a weird situation where you're they're not moving. And I haven't tried like doing any. I don't know, maybe there's backstab mechanics where you can use your spoon and do extra damage if they don't see you, but you can I, sneak up on them. I did I, find no, that. No, I think it's just that the AI is broken. Well. Like, because, because again, the, they, the, what I mean when I say wake up noise mm-hmm. is in, in, uh, the AI scripting, I actually just watched a video for that this, this week about how the, the AI scripting in the original Doom works. Mm-hmm. And since the original Chex Quest was just a Doom mod, um, it had the same AI. Uh, so you go, you would go into a room, and if the if the monster saw you, you know, in the case of Chex Quest, if the Flemoid saw you, it would make a noise, mm-hmm. and then there would be a wake up animation to indicate that the creature has seen you, and it would go towards you and like do its attack. Mm-hmm. Um, in this game, those the Flemoids make that noise. They mm-hmm. make the same you've been spotted noise that they made in the original. The same wake up noise. But it doesn't indicate that the creature is like it doesn't seem to indicate whether or not the creature is actually aware of you. Um, or if it does like if it is aware of you, it doesn't react in any sort of way. Like that's what I mean by by mm-hmm. wake up. Like yeah. the it sounds like wake up is happening. And then the monster just sits there. Um, I and have... that, to me, indicates broken AI. Yeah, I have also noticed that occasionally I will hear the sound of a flemoid and no flemoid will be anywhere nearby. Um, there may be something wrong with the audio coding in that regard. Um, so that might be also part of the problem. I'm not 100% certain, though possible uh, so so the game is a bit bugged but it is also just been released like two days ago that's true too. uh and it's free uh and it's a serial tie-in um so <laughs> you know take what you will um but i you know for all its fl- faults though i am still enjoying it uh and i've played through it once already i've played through it again halfway uh, trying to find all the secrets. Uh, I've gotten all of them in the first three levels. Uh, the, 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 all of them in the first two levels, and then uh, I think I missed one in the third level. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's good. For what um, it is. So, yeah, I've been playing, I've, I've been playing a few other like first-person shooters like from the 90s, none of which we really need to go into the details of. I've been playing um, Doom or Duke Nukem 3D... Um, and Blood, uh, which I've never played before. Um, that game is really hard, and I like it. Um, I also played a little bit of Monster Prom, uh, just kind of solo. Have you played that game yet, Alex? I played it with you. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Have, have you got it for yourself yet? I do it have it. was on sale it. a few weeks ago. I did get it for myself with hopes that I would be able to play it with you guys at some point. We will have to do another uh, day of that then, because mm-hmm. I know I, I bought a copy for Elise to have her own. I bought a few uh, copies for like one or two other people who I know want who knew wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we'll have to we'll have to make that happen at some point. Absolutely. I I know another one of our friends has been itching to play again. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Oh, but the main thing that I've been doing that like like is new. I I've been I picked up a few books to read. Fun. Um, and uh, I finished one of them, and I'm about a third of the way through the other. The first one that I read uh, is the first book in, in Ursula Le Guin's Hainish Cycle, which I think I've talked about on the podcast. You've before, talked about it at length, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you don't recall, this is a book series where basically the premise is human beings don't originally come from Earth. They come from another world called Hain. Um and basically, a lot of the planets of the galaxy are populated by descendants of the Hainish people. So there's all like it's so think of the universe in this in this book series as kind of like, uh, like the Galapagos Islands. So it's like Galapagos human beings are like Galapagos finches. Like they're all essentially the same thing. They're just slightly differently adapted to their different environments. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't always look superhuman, but they're essentially genetically the same creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I read the very first book in that cycle, uh, the first one that she published anyway, called Rockinon's World. Uh, and it is not my favorite. It is definitely like it is an early work um, because like all the other ones that I've read from that cycle are all like very thoughtful and they say very interesting things about like human society and like social constructs that we create for ourselves like ideas of state and government and gender and just uh like environmentalism like all these very interesting concepts and this one it's not bad and it's you can see a lot of those ideas kind of like bubbling underneath the surface but she doesn't do as much to kind of deconstruct them in this one. Um, and you can tell that she... I'll have to look more back, back at her um, kind of sort of bibliography. But I have the feeling that this was like one of the first like science fiction books that she wrote. Because it reads more like a fantasy book. Mm. Um, because essentially the premise of it is... The main character, Rockanon, um, is a, a member of like a survey team that basically is looking at this um, at this world that's kind of deve- this developing world. Um, so essentially, he's like a so- like a like a um, like an anthropologist, basically. Um, and he he and his team go down to this world that basically is at like sort of a medieval sort of development level. Like, their swords and bows and arrows and, um, like, lords and ladies and castles and shit like that. Um, but, like, no real high technology. Mm-hmm. And they get attacked. Everyone else on his survey team is killed and his ship is destroyed. Um, so basically he's like fucked and stranded there forever unless he can make his way to the people who attacked him because the people who attacked him seems to be other sort of off world, another off world group 
because they have more modern weaponry. So he <laughs> figures that they probably have faster than light communication, just like he would have on his ship. So the whole book's about him basically going on a quest to figure out where their base camp is and essentially steal their radio so that he can contact his people to come and rescue him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, it's neat. Um, the, like the mixture of like it, there's no magic in the world, but, but like, but there's everyone... technology taking the place of magic. In a sense. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So like, he's got an invisible suit that basically keeps him, uh, protects him from all sort of physical damage. So there's like a part where he gets captured um, by by another group of people who think that basically he's like a sorcerer. And so they try to burn him at the stake. Mm-hmm. But he just kind of is standing there tied up in this fire for like days and nothing happens to him. Mm. Like, no, but obviously he's like uncomfortable and like hungry and dying of thirst. But everybody else is just kind of like looking at it and it looks like he's perfectly fine mm-hmm. um but yeah like so yeah there is that little bit of any technology that's indistinguishable from from magic or is it you know any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic that sort of an idea is in there um but yeah it's not as her stuff is generally a little bit more heady and i feel like she probably wrote this more with the sense of getting some stuff published and getting it out there. Cause it's not like, it's not that it's like dumb. It's just that there's more like combat in this book than there typically is in the stuff that I've read from her. Like generally speaking, her writing is less focused on those sort of like, on those sorts of aspects of science fiction and fantasy and more about, world building and character and it, that's not that this stuff isn't there it's just that it's like it's less impressive i think than in the other ones i'd say so far of the ones that i've read in this cycle it's probably my least favorite hmm. um and i have two more in the same volume but i have i've decided to move on to something different uh and i instead started reading a horror novel called the great god pan um which I think you'd actually probably really enjoy, Alex. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um, it's very Lovecraftian. It's it's sort of. I'm trying to think of like a way to describe it. It's sort of. I'm trying to think of who else it reminds me of. Like it is set in English high society. So it's in, like, what seems to be the 19th, maybe very early 20th century. Um, But there's, like, little Lovecraftian overtones in it. Mm. So, like, the introductory chapter is about this doctor who thinks he's basically figured out a way for us to, like, pierce the veil of reality through brain surgery. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that we can see beyond and see the world as it really is. This is what he refers to as like seeing the great God pan. Um, and he performs brain surgery on this like lower class woman. Um, that basically he says something about like, 
oh, like she owes me her life. Like she she do any like. I figured the way that this where the way that this works, it's like I can basically do anything with her. Like it's my choice, not hers. Um, so he he performs the surgery on her, and she basically just goes mad. Um, and I'm tr- th- then it kind of starts up this other story that doesn't hasn't seemed to connect yet. Uh, it's not a very long book. I'm only like three chapters in and already like almost halfway through. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting to see how this all will culminate. Um, I've heard a lot of people say it gets very scary. Um, all right. So far, there's not much, like, there's not a whole lot that's gone on, but it's, like, it's intriguing. Like, there's a mystery being built up certainly, that certainly. I'm interested in learning more about. It does sound um, interesting. Yeah. I might check that out later. Anyway, yeah, that's that's mostly what I've been up to. I mean, other than, like, all the things that we've been talking about animal sure. crossing continues to pace um more th- killing floor i think elise had mentioned that there was something that she wanted to talk about before we started talking about checks quest oh yeah uh, so we started watching the great on hulu oh, yes i completely forgot about that yes i i would love to watch that if i had hulu we will let you borrow our, our password. Oh, thank you. Um, because it is absolutely worth watching. I we haven't. I think we watched the first two or three episodes. Yeah. The episodes themselves are very like dense. Like a lot happens. And they're very quick paced. And there's also visually there's a lot going on mm-hmm. like it's a very like kind of saturated so it is so sort of... dense every shot has so much going on what? i'm sorry it's it's a i'm not making fun of you i'm making fun of the star wars prequels because that oh was something God. that they said about the star wars prequels <sighs> so because this because it's about catherine the great it's about royalty it's about um her life i was saying that the there's just a lot going on mm-hmm. in each one of the scenes. So, like, each scene is very, like, visually very dense and very rich. And the, um, I feel like the story, at least that we, so we've only seen the first three episodes. And I was saying about how, like, I feel like it could be pretty bingeable, um, you know, because it's, it's funny and the actors are a well cast. Nicholas Holt plays, like, an amazing asshole of Peter. Um, and so like those all things like are really, really great. But I feel like, I don't know, I guess like we watched three episodes and it was just like, okay, like I need a break. (laughs) (laughs) If that makes sense. Um, so we've only seen the first three episodes, but it is so funny. It's one of those things. I really like how, um, I, they do a really good job at kind of picking and choosing what to be historical mm-hmm. with. Um, yeah, on, on a scale on a scale of uh, one aneurysm to 500 aneurysms, how many, uh, how historically accurate is it? Okay, so costumes are not historically accurate. Okay. But in terms of, like, the social climate kind of stuff, like, I, and it, since that's kind of what it's, it, I mean, it's a satire, so you kind of have to take it with that in mind. Yes. But, like, just the the way that I would describe it is it does a an excellent job of satirizing 
like royal culture. Does okay. that make sense? Yes. Like the way that that the czar treats other people around him and just the fact that he's kind of an idiot. Like he's basically just a dumb frat boy, essentially. Yeah. That has unlimited power. Mm-hmm. Um like that feels very authentic in the sense of like it it wasn't necessarily exactly like that, but like it was close enough to being that that the satire fits. Gotcha, gotcha. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. If you are if you are a stitch counter Oh yeah, you'll hate it. You'll hate it. Like if you're one of those people that like lives for, you know, going through movies and being like, well, that Damask actually wasn't available during this time period and this person wouldn't really be wearing that. And like if you're one of those people, I think it's a pretty easy series to like just rip apart. But like but that's not why you should be watching yeah. it. Like if that's why you're watching it, then you this is the wrong historical <laughs> fiction series for you. There there was one part where we were watching it and Elise was looking at uh, there was a there was a very close up shot of Catherine and Elise was like, "Is she wearing a modern bra under that?" And I looked at her and I said, "Elise, the Czar had on leather pants in the last <laughs> scene." <laughs> like 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 fucking uh, Motley Crew, tight black leather pants. <laughs> so yeah, um, so so don't don't watch it for that, you know. And then it's they also did a lot of like intentionally diverse casting, which I thought was really cool, because um, I think it's really easy for. And I've seen this trend, um. I think since Downton Abbey got a shit ton of backlash <laughs> about not being diverse enough that I've seen like uh, within the past like two or three years, um, there's been more intentional diverse casting mm-hmm. of characters. It's kind of a shame that it's like not like large parts. It's more like kind of small bit roles. Um, and it would have been really cool to see like some of these other like characters that have more development um be actors of color i think that would have been better it would have made it stronger Mm. and less of like an afterthought um but at the same time it is it is nice because i think it is very easy for historical fictions to be like well it's about russia so we're just gonna make everybody white even though like russia is fucking huge and has like a whole bunch of different like ethnic groups within it yeah um like I think like that version of like Anna Karenina, mm-hmm. like was anybody darker than like Alabaster Marble? <laughs> I mean, really, like Kira Knightley was the the lead actress in that. But um, but yeah, so it, so it very like it very deftly like avoids that um pitfall, and so I think they do a good job of striking the balance between um historical consciousness and entertaining satire because like you're supposed to watch it and you're not supposed to necessarily think like oh this is like a documentary about like Catherine the Great or like a historical retelling of Catherine the Great it's supposed to be like you're you're supposed to gleam you know like a good satire does you're supposed to gleam lessons about modern day culture from the thing that you're watching and if you are interested in learning about Catherine the Great 
check out a different document, different thing. Yeah. 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 I I'll put it like this: the the when the show when it starts off and it like the title shows up, it says the great, and then there's an asterisk, and then at the bottom there's another asterisk that says partially based off of true events or something yeah. like that. Like well, that's the tone from, from the get. It's very. You know, this is not, this isn't fucking PBS. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one of the things that I appreciate about it. Sure. And I wish there was just like, I don't know. I mean, it, like I said, like it is a trend. Like I was like this and Harlots. Another period. Another period. Like, I'm really glad that we're seeing more of this. Like, let's, let's treat the past with less reverence. reverence. Yeah. Like, let's move away from the Downton Abbey model and and towards something new and and more interesting, mm-hmm. um, which which I think is really great. I think it's kind of a nice like, ugh, it's kind of a nice middle finger. Yeah, because like inevitably, like you know, with Mad Men, like we saw this with Mad, like when Mad Men was super popular, when Downton Abbey was super popular, and people are like, don't you wish we could just go back? But, but, wasn't wasn't Downton. Na- like, wasn't Downton like, Abbey like makes it made... pretty explicit that you're not supposed to want to go back? Yeah. What were you <laughs> like saying, if... Alex? Wasn't Downton Abbey like made by a politician? With yes, that it's specific... made by a lord. Yeah. I didn't know this until like a couple of weeks ago, and I feel awful. But Julian Fellows is a fucking lord, like House of Lords lord, and like. Now, looking back on that series, I'm like, it is pretty explicit about, like, it. it's pretty much about, like, hey, poors, be happy with your place in life. Yeah. You know, your better's no better kind of an attitude It's <laughs> like, woven all throughout that narrative. And you're just like, shit. Like, this is, you know, I know, like, it's very popular now to be like, death of the author. But I'm like, that's. That's a piece of media where knowing what I know now, I view very differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the we we can we can try to separate the authors from their work as much as we can. Like we do it with J.K. Rowling, we do it with H.P. Lovecraft, but if it's that interwoven with it, it's hard. And... Yeah. Um. The other thing that I. I really appreciate about it is like there are some jokes in there where it's like, if you do understand the time period, it becomes even funnier. Mm -hmm. So like there's one part, I think it's in the first episode where, you know, they basically are trying to like shove Catherine, Catherine off and like give her something to do. And basically she's just kind of taken away with the ladies of the court. And she wants to discuss, like, Jean-Jacques Rousseau or something like that. And they're like, we don't know how to, like, none of us know how to read. What are you talking about? Let's, let's all go outside and play games on the yard. And then it's just them rolling balls. And then servants go and pick the balls up and bring them back to them. And she's like, is, is that the whole game? <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you know, it is. <laughs> it's great it made me laugh very hard um what are some of the other things that i wanted to talk about with that show because i felt like there was one other thing that i wanted to say about it 
everybody's having a lot of sex. Yeah. Be be aware that going into it. Okay. Like they do not shy away. I will be aware. Uh, it's like that in Versailles was another one where it was like, hey, do you know the 18th century? They got down. Like, um, I don't know. I don't know. But it's, it's, it's good. Uh, we did also watch one other thing if we're done talking about. I think like I don't know, I think I'll have more like after I'd really like for us to kind of like maybe finish it because the whole thing's on Hulu. Yeah. Um. So maybe we'll like finish it and we can start there with our next episode and we can kind of give like a more in depth analysis about it. Um. Because right now I'm like I'm trying I don't want to say too I mean obviously it's based off historical events so like spoilers <laughs> aren't necessarily a thing but I I don't want to like go too much into the narrative. Um, I think I'd rather have us like all three watch it and then kind of come back and talk about it. Um, the other thing that, that we watched that I'm really enjoying, and I, I don't know exactly if you figured out how you feel about it yet, Elise, mm-hmm. is uh, Midnight Gospel on Netflix. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird. I love it. Have you started watching it yet, Alex? Uh, oh, I've, uh, I did not watch it. No, my sister watched it though. Um, it's and it's I saw little bits of it like I saw the beginning of the first episode um, we haven't watched from, the whole thing yet it's another one of these like you could probably if you were so entitled to mm-hmm. binge the whole thing in a, in a day it seems to me like something that would come on at like 1245 on adult swim here's the thing it's the yeah the midnight gospel here's yeah. the thing the way that it's animated, mm-hmm. I would agree. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the content of it is so above anything that was ever on Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. Um, because the way that it, it it kind of is, it like it like there's like echoes of Space Ghost Coast to Coast in this because it is. It seems to be actual interviews, and I need to look more into the making of it, but it seems to be actual interviews with, like, people, and then they kind of make a story, or like, kind of goes around the interview, and, like, add in lines to kind of go along with the story. Like, the first one, it's they go to a world where zombies are overrunning everything, and they make the guy that they're interviewing be, like, the president of the United States in this alternate world, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they'll throw in some lines about, oh, no, zombies. we got to shoot these zombies. But, like, the rest of it is just a discussion of, like, of drug use and, like, altered states of consciousness and, like, how hallucinogenics have, like, helped people achieve, like, heightened states of awareness and overcome anxieties and things like this. Mm-hmm. So it's, like... It is very, and then the second episode is all about, like, coming to terms with death and dying. Um, but it's, like, set on Clown Planet, and all of the characters are, like, animals that are being butchered and, like, ground up for meat on Clown Planet. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. 
I'm I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and the um the influences list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so influenced by uh, Space Ghost, Ghost to Coast, uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and other references included the animal films, water, the animated film Watership Down and the Last Unicorn, uh, animated television show Aeon Flux and Liquid Television, and mm-hmm. uh, Twin Peaks. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've. I, we've only watched the first two episodes, and like I said, if you, because I think there's only like eight episodes. Yeah, and there's only e- eight. Each one's only like a half hour long, so if you really wanted to, you could sit down and watch it, like the whole thing, in probably an afternoon. Mm-hmm. But I like, I need to, I need to sit and like digest every episode and like think about it. Mm-hmm. So I haven't been in the mood to really binge it, even though I absolutely adore it. Because it's it's too. There isn't really a plot. Um, it's more of like a conceit, that like this guy has some sort of computer that lets him get into the, all of these different worlds, and he has like a podcast. It's like about him and his podcast, and like going to find people to interview for his podcast. That's you know. So it's like that's the conceit, but visually what you're seeing on the screen is incongruous to the really deep conversations that are happening in the audio. And so it's happening on these two very different wavelengths. And so I think like I'm way more interested in the audio than I am the visuals. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of like, let's go right back to the top of the podcast (laughs) It is kind of like theater of cruelty mm. done as an animated series. Um, like kind of that idea of like consistently. Yeah. Ha- yeah. I, I don't, cause it doesn't really, it's not really like breaking the fourth wall, but it's this idea of having like incongruous images um, or incongruous, like n- ideas combating each other for your attention and focus there is in order to kind of like get to a higher there is some fourth wall breaking that i've noticed um like in the second episode one of the people being interviewed refers to the name of the person that's like the the main guy with by his real name and he goes who's that <laughs> who's Kumail? Yeah, it's a it's a who's Kumail moment, um, where yeah. they refer to him by his real name as opposed to his character name. Yeah. So yeah. there is a little bit of fourth wall breaking in that aspect. Yeah, I found on the Wikipedia page for it, uh, there are links to the episodes of the guy's podcast that these episodes of the series are based on. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to, like, listen to, and I guess if you wanted to listen to even more content from the same kind of ideas, you can check out the original podcasts. Cool. Um, so I, I sent a link to one of them to you, but if you check out the, the Wikipedia for the Midnight Gospel, you'll see most, not all, but uh, but some of the, um, it looks like half of these are associated with particular podcast in uh Duncan Russell. Yeah, Dun- Duncan Russell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's one th- that's what it was. There was some there was a time when someone called him 
said, thanks for having us, Duncan. And he goes, who's Duncan? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So the Duncan Trussell Fantasy Hour, uh, or Family Hour? Family Hour, uh, which you can find at duncantrussell.com <laughs> if you wanted to see more of this stuff. And yeah, just just the fact that it's like the animation is kind of done by the same the the people who did Adventure Time, mm-hmm. um, which I always love seeing more stuff like that. Makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I think that's all I've got for this week. All right. Uh, is there anything else that I was doing? Um, I mean, I've been playing more Hearts of Iron 4 mods. Uh, been currently playing one that's set in the Fallout universe. So trying to hold my own as a random state against the Caesar's Legion. Ooh, but, good uh, luck. Oh, thank you. They haven't attacked yet, but we'll see if we'll be ready when they come. Um, yeah, let's see. Not, not a whole heck of a lot. It's just been kind of... Like, I mean, there was a day a couple of days ago when I just, like decided you know what i'm gonna fucking sleep for three hours and there's nothing anyone can do about it um and then i did and i felt really shitty about it but you know who who's gonna tell (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) but i are we are we done with our podcast for this week i think that's a podcast for this week yeah all right so uh, we will come to you live tomorrow, which you won't, which will be today for you. Um, let's just end it. My name is Alex. <laughs> I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And we've been some nerds of a podcast. Thank you all for listening, and good night, everybody.